The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thank you so much for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. Hope you had a great 4th of July weekend and everybody got home with their handicapping fingers intact. Uh, We'll be recapping uh, our 4th of July races that uh, we handicapped last week with Andy Serling from Naira. Of course, there was great racing across the country, uh, not just at Belmont Park, but there were a slew of good races in New York. And uh, then we're going to go up to Chicago um, and talk to our friend Joe Christofek. As you know, Joe was recently the handicapper at the Churchill Downs meet. Well, that is over. So uh, Joe, he's the uh, Windy City kind of guy, has uh, been working up there for, for decades, so he's definitely got a line on what's happening in the Chicago area. Uh, we, they've got five, uh, four graded stakes races and what's called the Arlington Million Preview Program, uh, the American Derby, the Arlington Handicap, the Stars and Stripes, and the Modesty Handicap. So uh, we'll uh, call out on uh, Joe for his handicapping expertise. But before that, we're going to talk to a great guy and one of the leading percentage trainers in the United States, and his name is Eric Reed, a lifetime horseman from a family of horsemen. Uh, His father uh, trained under Mac Miller. Uh, He grew up with horses his whole life, and he's got a great, great center called Mercury Equine that used to be the old Spendthrift Training Center just outside of Lexington, Kentucky. So we're going to be talking to Eric about some of the the different uh, takes he has on racing and different places he goes to win races. It is not located in just one spot. Well, uh, hope you pulled down your easy win forms over the weekend. I hope you will again uh, every day you go to the races. Come to winningponies.com and sign up. It's free. Uh, on the 4th of July, we had fireworks at Los Alamitos, a $1 Super 5 key, $16,543. Uh, the day before at Ellis Park, we had a Super Key that paid 5200 In the middle of New York Stakes at Finger Lakes, a $1 pick four paid 4727 And at Belmont Park, had two key wins, uh, one for 5400 and the other one for $5,427. So pull down your easy win forms on winning ponies. Uh, well, shared belief, good news here. The champion two-year-old male of 2013 is being walked on a daily basis at a training center up in Washington State as part of a recovery from a hip injury uh, that led to him being pulled up much to everyone's dismay, in the 
$1.5 million Charlestown Classic in West Virginia. A lot of bridge jumpers got hurt in that one. Uh, Hollendorfer said on Wednesday that there's no real timetable, uh, so he's going to stay at that training center in Washington, has been there since May. And uh, they knew then that it was going to take months for him to come back. So uh, at this point, no races are planned for 2015. Uh, they'll certainly take their time. Uh, let's face it, uh, what a horse he's been. He's only been beaten twice. Once was in the much-discussed uh, 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 Breeders' Cup last year uh, when he was roughed up at the gate and then, of course, when he was pulled up at Charlestown. So he has earnings over $2.9 million. He's a gelding. No reason to rush him. Well, guess who's back in town? Well, actually, he's up in the Windy City. California Chrome was settled into the quarantine barn on the Arlington backstretch just yesterday. Uh, coming in from Amsterdam, uh, he had been based, as you know, in England. Uh, so his uh, workout rider, Anna Wells, will oversee his day-to-day care. Uh, he's got his old uh, groom back. Uh, they said that it looked like maybe he lost a little weight, uh, and not carrying as much as they preferred. He looks a little light, but that's what we expected, Wells said. Everything was different for him over there. Had long travel back. Uh, he is now wearing a bar shoe, as we reported last uh, few weeks. That's what uh, took him out of the Prince of Wales stakes at Royal Ascot. So after he uh, clears quarantine, he'll move into the Chris Block shed row and um, probably won't resume training before this weekend, and he is pointing towards the Arlington Million. Well, um, a big three-year-old is going to get the rest of the year off. Kentucky Derby runner-up firing line has an injury that will require him to take the rest of the year off, but the plan is to race him next year at four, Simon Callahan said just yesterday. Uh, He didn't specify the nature of the injury, He does say it won't require surgery, and he's just going to be turned out on a farm. He may have been injured in his last race, the Preakness Stakes, where he stumbled at the start. And as you recall, the Preakness was just an absolute quagmire, a washout. So uh, they're saying the early goal for him is to look down the road 2016 for the Dubai World Cup. They'd like to get a couple preps into him. So uh, they're doing what is right uh, for the horses, you know, uh, he won the Sunland Derby this year and uh, has been game on the three-year-old scene uh, all over the season while he was training. Uh, Dorman's also been idle since the Preakness, and uh, they say that slowly but surely he's going to be, be coming back. And uh, our friend, uh, American Pharaoh, Triple Crown winner, uh, jogged a mile on Wednesday at Santa Anita. Uh, his first day back at the track following a Monday workout. He's supposed to have one more workout this weekend at Santa Anita before he'll head down to Del Mar. So, again, the Haskell, <clears throat> that's what he's pointing towards. That's going to be a big day of racing. Of course, uh, I believe that Bob Baffert's already won that race six times, but it won't hurt to go in there with a triple crown winner. Well, Javier Castellano took a show on the road again and got Jockey of the Week honors. Three stakes races out of town and two at Belmont getting Jockey of the Week honored. Uh, It's not the first time he's done that. He's uh, currently the second leading rider at Belmont Park. Uh, Went down south and on the card at Gulfstream Park. Was very successful. 
uh, captured the Miesque's approval and won the grade three carry back. Uh, Castellano recorded the most stakes wins with five, second in total earnings with $906,000. If you want to, you can uh, follow Javier on Twitter at JJC Jockey. Javier Castellano at JJC Jockey. Well, he's not the only hot jockey. There's a few other ones in there out of Prairie Meadows. If you're betting that, keep an eye on Ramon Vasquez. Uh, he won three on Sunday with a win in the Iowa Stallion Futurity. Paco Lopez had a great week at Monmouth by winning ten races with four of those coming on Sunday's card. Uh, down at Evangeline, Diego Sands uh, won four on Saturday, three of those being on stakes races. They had a slew of them down there at Evangeline. And our friend Deshaun Parker that's been on Winning Ponies with us before uh, continued his form. He won with his only two mounts on Sunday, but finished in the money over the weekend an amazing 88% of the time. Um, that's good news about jockeys, some not-so-good news. Uh, Evangeline Downs suspends the Patine brothers indefinitely. Uh, they're among the leading riders at Evangeline Downs in Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, the Louisiana Racing Commission, state police, and commission personnel investigate incidents involving the brothers, according to the commission. Now, we don't have any details on this yet. Um, They say, we know what's going on, but because the investigation's ongoing, they're limited in what they can say. As you know, uh, both Patans have checkered history in the sport. Uh, Mark Guidry, the former rider, is the agent for both of them. Uh, he would have no comment whatsoever. Uh, Joe Patan currently ranks third at Evangeline Downs. He had a seven-year absence from race riding, 1999 to 2007, while fighting substance abuse. And uh, his brother, of course, uh, sad to say, is, was known for having the buzzer in the Arkansas Derby back in 1999 aboard Vail Hall, and uh, that cost him five years. So I hope those guys can keep their nose clean. Um, moving on to some of last week's race results, and we did say there were some good ones, starting at Belmont Park. It was the grade three victory ride, six and a half furlongs. The winner in here, last to first, Irish Jasper, Javier Castellano in the saddle, bested the favorite, Enchanting Lady. In the third spot was Kath Baloo. On to the seventh race. Again, Andy Serling was helping us with our handicapping uh, last week. Uh, Texas Red didn't get it done. Ended up running second behind Speedster. So Bill Mott has an undefeated three-year-old Speedster. Bet down to two to one. Tracked the pace and put in a very strong finish. Again, Texas Red second. Tommy Macho was third. Moving on to the Belmont Derby, $1.25 million on the line. The winner at 10-1 forced the pass. Uh, Joel Rosario was in the saddle. Very impressive win. This horse now in five starts. Uh, in six starts, has a record of four wins in two seconds. So remember, force the pass, another son of Spitestown. So he's got to be this week's hottest sire. Second uh, was the uh, the... Shipper from France, uh, Candale, 
And in the third spot was Startup Nation. Also at Belmont, the Suburban going a mile and a quarter. The winner in here in a head-bobbing photo over the odds-on favorite. It was F and X. And this is the horse that Andy kind of liked. He thought he'd get a long shot. Well, six to one was uh, exactly what he got on F and X, who, uh, who bested Toneless, who sent away at two to five. He was last early. Again, a very exciting stretch run. In the third spot was Coach Inge, who led most of the way, as a matter of fact, right into the final furlong, but not as good as the top two. And then we went to the Belmont Oaks Invitational. This a mile and a quarter, huge field of 14, and we have a new star on the horizon. Remaining undefeated, Lady Eli, trained by Chad Brown, ridden by Irad Ortiz. Wow. This was a very impressive win. Was off the lead, wide on the turn, and just absolutely went to the lead as the jockey asked him to, and uh, asked her to. Lady Eli is going to be a filly to watch. Again, she's undefeated, and she has now won from a mile to a mile and a quarter. Um, this race on turf, all the races have been on turf. So Lady Eli, a star in the making. But then we had uh, we went out to uh, Los Alamitos. There was a big race out there, the Los Alamitos Derby. Everybody thought Kentuckian was the one to beat. Was sent away at two to five, but it was Gimme Dilute who stalked the pace, caught Kentuckian on the turn, and then put in a game stretch effort to hold back Prospect Park, Kentuckian held on for the third spot, but it really was another head-bobbing win. Give me the loot, a Bob Baffert trainee. The one-two finishers both came out of the grade three, affirmed. And then on Friday, of course, a lot of people had the day off, the Molly Pitcher down at Monmouth Park. Uh, everybody got rich on this one at one to five. It was got lucky. Todd Pletcher shipping in to take the grade three Molly pitcher. Well, that's a look at what's happening in the nation and a look at the races that we focused on last week. We are going to take a little bit of a break here. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with a friend of mine, Eric Reed of Mercury Equine. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neill. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... 
America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, a guy that I was admired that uh, I can say has become a personal friend of mine over the years, Eric Reed. As I told you earlier, he's a lifetime horseman from a from a family of, of a horseman, and uh, he has a fantastic uh, place uh, just a little bit north of Lexington uh, called uh, Mercury Equine. And uh, his love of horses is second to none. Uh, he takes a special interest in yearlings and two-year-old horses. Uh, and he, it's very interesting in how he plays the game. He seeks opportunities and he goes for them. He's certainly not a guy uh, that, that's, uh, that's afraid uh, to, to travel. And uh, you may recall that uh, he came within a neck of beating Zenyatta with Renterville in the Clement Hurst Stakes back in 2010. I'm sure if he lived through that heart attack, he'll live through just about anything. Eric Reed, how are you doing, my friend? Doing great. Great to hear from you. Well, uh, I, I must say, uh, like I said, you, you, you're not a guy that's uh, tethered to any one track. And today, up in uh, Cincinnati at Belterra Park, uh, you pulled down another one on the beach. Uh, came home a winner for uh, Montecule uh, Limited Liability Company. An impressive win. And I'll tell you this right now, that pushes your win record up to over 45% at this track. I'm sure there's a lot of trainers that would love to trade their percentage for for yours, Eric. Well, that's for sure. I remember a long time ago. I wished I had you know percentages that were even in the 20s. So I'm I'm flattered to know that we're doing that good up there. Yes, yes, you are. Now, um, you know, uh, we, I talked earlier in the show about the the fact that your your your, your father Herbert trained for for over 40 years, apprenticing under a, a great great Hall of Famer, Mac Miller. Um, what was your early apprenticeship in the game? Well, you know, naturally I came up under my dad and um, quite a few of the better-known trainers uh, of that era here in Lexington all took me under their wing as I worked with him. Um, and then I did a, a little stay with Mac Miller um, on the farm. Um, then ended up going with Ray Lawrence for a year traveling when he had some of his better horses. Um, came back home and Dad said, you're ready to go, and he uh, sent me on my way. Well, I, I found some old pictures for you from Latonia. I'll have to pull those out and send them to you. Uh, I know that's where you started. I believe that's where you had your first uh, stakes winner in the, in the four-go stakes. Uh, but you're certainly, as I pointed out earlier, uh, you, you're not a guy that, that's afraid to, to spread your wings out a little bit. Uh, the name Eric Reed has shown up at different tracks across the country, and um, I'm just trying to, uh, one thing I wanted to get into is I really didn't think that I'd have a chance to get you tonight because I know you're only a few miles away from Fasig Tipton uh, where they're, they're having the, the sale down there. But what you said is, well, in this book, they're selling uh, BMWs or, and uh, you end up going to the sales where you can get a Ford and turn them into a BMW. That's my game plan, yeah. I can't afford these summer sales, so 
I wait till the yearlings in September, and we try to buy the the horses that fit our program and and uh, try to catch a few that fall through the cracks. And we've been pretty successful with it over the years. Now I know that uh, that you and your wife Kay work work as a team. What I didn't know was that her great uncle was Charlie Kurtzinger, who. Uh, Rode War Admiral to win the Triple Crown back in 1937. So you're a horse man married to a horse woman. Uh, big advantage. I've seen the two of you work at the farm. I've been down there for the workouts at your place. It's a fantastic team atmosphere that you've, you've created there at Mercury. Yeah, we've uh, put together a really good group of uh, staff, and we've spent a lot of time developing Mercury into what it is today. And um, we're very fortunate to, to both have had, you know, our whole families raise us basically in the business. So, um, you know, we were probably cleaning stalls at six and walking horses and carrying water buckets and uh, focused pretty much all of our lives on what we wanted to do. And we're just fortunate enough that we get to do what we love to do. Now, as far as you uh you getting horses and and you getting owners. Uh, what 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 is your what what is your plan there? Do you have certain clients that you perhaps go to a sale with, or do you go to a sale get a horse and then try to try to bring in uh, partners or or individual owners? Yeah, a lot of times what I do is I go uh, purchase the horses. I have three or four different groups that I've trained for for years now, and they pretty much expect me to go buy the next year's racing stock and we'll go into the sales, um, pick up anywhere from five to 15, just depends on the year and how much we have to pay. And then all these guys sit down and we, we kind of divvy them up in groups of three and four. And, um, you know, sometimes every, every once in a while, somebody will say, look, I'd like to have this one all by myself. And, um, so I pretty much buy these horses, and uh, then we divvy them out later. There are a few of the clients that go with me, and uh, you know they'll they'll have their say in it as well. You know they'll pick out yearlings that they like, and we'll buy them and cut them up. So um, that's been our primary goal of getting the young stock, and then you know naturally word of mouth from people that are satisfied with working with us, uh, referring us to their friends, um, has generated a lot of business over the years as well. Now, now your farm uh, used to be the Spendthrift Farm uh, Training Center. Obviously, you, you put a lot of money into it. It's a beautiful facility. But uh, how much of an edge do you think that gives you by, by having those yearlings under your own eye and nobody's turning a horse over to you that's been taken care of or broken by somebody else? Almost to the point where I, I hate to have a horse sent to me I didn't break uh as a yearling or a two-year-old because we we have the freedom to do things and spend the time to do things that um, I think some of these big yearling factories or what I call them just don't get a chance to do. You know, they're, <clears throat> they herd one group in so they can get the next group out. Um, we can do so many things at our own private place. We can trail ride. Uh, we've got an eighth of a mile shed row around the barn. So if we have one that needs a little more time in the barn before he goes to track, we can go in there, jog him around, um, kind of get his mind right before he goes to the track. Um, and you know, we, we use this and incorporate in our training methods with the racehorses as well. Uh, we have swimming facility, we have the Eurosizer, we have paddocks and three days a week, John, we train the wrong direction on the racetrack, which, you know, you can't do that anywhere. And I think that's been a huge advantage to us. 
You know, and absolutely, and with the strange weather that, that we've had in the Lexington area, uh, you have the advantage of saying, hey, they're not going to tell me that they're closing the track at 1030. If I want to wait until this storm passes and go out there afternoon, I can. And that's what we'll do. We'll wake up in the mornings, and first thing you know is the track guy that works for me has been with me for 18 years. We check the radar out. He'll call me. Um, we'll open the track up. When we know rain's within 30 minutes, we close the track down, wait till the rain's over. Um, go back out, open the track, and finish training. Some days we're we're out there till three o'clock in the afternoon, but we have a safe track. We don't have to train on sloppy tracks, and we're just fortunate enough that we can close it down and do that. But that's once again, you know, the you know having your own private facility, you're able to do those things. All right, we're talking with Eric Reed from um, Mercury Equine. Uh, Eric, another huge advantage you have with your own training center is the fact that you're not wearing the handcuffs of a racing secretary, and you can pop up anywhere you want. N- nobody tells you, hey, wait a second, keep those horses on these grounds. Yeah, that was one of the biggest reasons that I made this decision when we purchased Mercury. I've always been able to kind of see a few years ahead what's going on with this business, and you know, when the fall crop was reduced and the, the races started getting tougher to fill, the racetrack started putting more pressure on the guys that were stabled there, and I couldn't blame them. You know, it's kind of unfair to Indiana Downs if you're stabled there for you to ship to Churchill and run or vice versa. But um, I just decided it was probably better for my clientele and for the way I do business if I had my own place where I can take a horse and run him at any track I choose. And um, it, it, it seems like it's been more profitable for the clients for sure. It's obviously helped our win percentage because it's easier to place the horses. And I think the racing secretaries appreciate it because, you know, they call me now on a daily basis and we're, you know, we're able to work with these tracks a lot more than I was before I started doing it the way I'm in now. Now, you mentioned something uh, a minute ago about you having an eye to the future. It seems to me that you saw, wait a second, there's going to be money coming just north of Kentucky with the casinos that are up in Ohio since you don't mm-hmm. have those in Kentucky. And from what I understand, you've been kind of assembling a uh, a stable with some Buckeye breads in it because you know that that money's just going to get better. Yeah, we started this a couple of years ago, and, um, you know, we've got to stay ahead of the game, and I don't know if and when Kentucky will ever, you know, be approved for anything, but... Um, the racing dates are getting less and less, um, and it's tougher to get in. So what I've done with most of my longtime clients is we've started purchasing some Ohio breads. Uh, they pretty much race year-round in Ohio now, and the money is getting better and better. Uh, still have very limited competition for now, but I'm sure that's changing as we speak. And it's <laughs> it's worked out really good for us in the early run, and what we're continuing to do now is shop for old breads. And, I mean, we'll race and we'll buy any kind of horse, but it's close to home. It's close to my clients. They still can go to the races. Uh, it's, it's working out really good for us. We've got a couple of really nice Ohio breads. Well, we have a classic example of what you just spoke of going on this weekend in Cincinnati and that there's a stakes race for three-year-olds that only attracted six horses and one of those scratched, and there's a stakes race for two-year-olds that has 12 of them going to post. So I think you're definitely seeing a resurgence in the sport back here. No doubt. Well, 
I'm glad to see uh, that 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 you're a big part of it. Uh, like I told people earlier, I've been down to your farm. I've had a chance to to, to watch watch it in action. It's a it's a well oiled machine. Uh, the way that you run everything, it's very uh, welcoming. And again, the emphasis on the total control that you have of your schedule, your horse's schedule, from the time you get them at the yearling sale to the time that they're ready to go. Not only to your starting gate on the farm, but you, I know that you keep stalls at Keeneland, too, when you really want to get serious with them. Yeah, we keep our options open, and it's good to know that you can go somewhere, uh, change surfaces, show them a grandstand for the first time, um, put them on a busy track with a lot of horses. There's just certain things, you know, that I think are, are a good option to use every now and then. And I'll tell you what else, you know, sometimes a horse just likes a little change of scenery, so it doesn't hurt them to go somewhere and stay for another week. And then they come back to Mercury, and they're like, thank God we're home, you know. And it's uh, it's a pretty good deal to do that. And I don't know if you heard the rumor or not this week, but um, Mike Manganella came out and got on a horse and galloped it at Mercury this week. So Wait, I heard he was going to have a photo session out there, but I didn't know he actually galloped a horse. Oh, yes, he galloped around the track and... Uh, we better watch him. He might be getting that itch. <laughs> well, I know he's doing that for, to uh, to benefit the uh, Real Men Wear Pink effort uh, to to help fight cancer. He's going to be a part of that uh, in the in the Midwest. So, uh, hey, if you got any video, send it to me, will you? It's all over Facebook. I'll make sure I send you some. Okay, I will. Well, uh, Eric, if, if anybody wants to find out more about Mercury Equine or Eric Reed or get a hold of you to get in on one of those partnerships, what do they do? You know, they can go to our website, which is mercuryequine.com. They can check out our facility. It's got a ton of pictures on it. Um, They can get a hold of me through any racing office or the website as well. And, um, you know, we always are open. Um, We're we're trying to grow partnerships and get new people in the business. And uh, it's a good facility for somebody that's getting into the game for the first time because it's it's not full of the hassles that you'll run into at other places. You can come and set your schedule, what time you want to come. We can accommodate you. It's uh, good to bring your family and friends. Uh, get up close and personal with the horses. So, you know, we we encourage anybody at any time uh, to come out and take a look at the place. And even if they don't want to, you know, actually get into owning or involved, they want to just come watch horses train, we welcome that too because down the road that could turn into a new client for somebody. You got a great attitude. Uh, we've been talking with Eric Reed again. Mercury Equine uh, is uh, where you want to go on the web to get to him. Eric, thanks so much. Say hi to Kay for me. You got it, John. I appreciate it. And you stay safe up there, and let's keep the Ohio rolling. All right. Well, you're keeping it rolling. Are you winning over a 44% clip? at Belterra Park. We've been talking with Eric Reed. In a minute, we're going to talk to Joe Christofek, our horse racing ambassador in the Windy City. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? 
can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and coming up, Joe Christofek's going to be with us. And uh, if you've paid any attention to racing in Chicago for pretty much the last two decades, uh, you're very familiar with Joe. Uh, he's been the on-air talent uh, for, for Hawthorne. Uh, he did uh, television shows up there, Horsing Around TV, 85 episodes there back uh, 2003 to 2005. Uh, in recent days, when you were watching Churchill Downs, yes, that was Joe, the man that was uh, putting his picks out there, and he uh, posted them on the website. He's not afraid to say that uh, he what horses he picked. And as a matter of fact, if you go back and check it, he did awfully well. Joe, welcome to Winning Ponies. Always great to talk to you, John, whether it's socially or talking business on the show. And uh, yeah, it was a great season at Churchill. It you know it almost doesn't seem real the way it played out with the Triple Crown after the Derby and American Feral being stable there basically the whole time and the parade. Uh, it was just really good energy the entire time I was there. And uh, back in Chicago now, but already looking forward to the meet in September. I must say, last time I saw you was uh, Stephen Foster night when uh, American Pharaoh was being uh, led around the walking ring. That truly was electric, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just great. I mean, you know, it's, it's well documented how kind... Zayats, Bob Baffert, especially Jimmy Barnes, that poor guy. I mean, he was with that horse on the backstretch at Churchill every morning. And after he won the Triple Crown, just all the people going back there, wanting to get photos, wanting to feed him carrots, wanting to, you know, just get close to the horse and just so unbelievably over-the-top accommodating. And that night was was really special because, you know, fans came out. We had well over 30,000 people Sure, we had a great six card, but a lot of them were there just to, to salute the first Triple Crown winner in 37 years. And it'll be interesting to see how long it'll be before the next one. Well, uh, you know, I, I've known you mostly, you know, as a, as a Chicago guy. And uh, what uh, you, you do make the, uh, the morning line up there for Arlington Park? Yeah, I've been doing that for, whoa, God, I don't know. It's probably been close to 10 years. Now I still do picks for a local newspaper, too. Um, yeah, I'll be out at Arlington on Saturday, you know, and I'll be going there fairly frequently now up until, you know, I go back to Louisville. But Chicago will always be my home. You know, it's a little bit sad what's going on in Illinois racing now. It's just, you know, it's been a downward spiral for several years now, and the horsemen keep supporting the product, and, you know, it's such a beautiful place, and the fans keep coming out, but... Man, the purses are just decimated, 
Uh, and it's really remarkable that they're able to fill four days of racing, even eight races a day there. But it's going to start to get good now because we do have preview day coming up, you know, on Saturday, million day coming up as well. And uh, we can get back to some positives and hopefully stick that arrow back in the right direction. Well, you talked about the buzz with American Pharaoh. You've got some serious star power up there. Uh, what, what's the, uh, the outlook and the feel for uh, California Chrome making the Arlington Million his next destination? Well, John, I'm as big of a homer as, as anybody. And, you know, it's funny because when I was at uh, Pennsylvania Derby last year, there was a press conference and, you know, everyone was asking our different questions about the horse's future. And someone brought up, you know, the, the possibility of him eventually running on grass. And, and I said to Art, you know, during the press conference, I go, well, there's a, you know, really good grade one race for the third week of August in Chicago. <laughs> and everyone kind of laughed. But he actually said at that point last September that they thought the Arlington Million was a race that they would seriously consider. Because, you know, it's no secret that they're trying to up this horse's uh, stud value. Obviously, the pedigree isn't much, even though he's been spectacular on the dirt with, you know, the win in the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness and Santa Anita Derby and so on and so forth. If they can get him a grade one, you know, a legitimate grade one on the turf, it's going to up his stud value. So the, the trip to Europe didn't work out so well. Uh, obviously, he missed the race with some supposed hoof issues. Uh, he's been in Chicago for two days now. Anyone that's seen the pictures of him getting off the van, could tell that this horse has missed a couple of meals. I mean, he's going to have to really step it up and get into training and get fit and really put it all together in five weeks to even be competitive in any way, shape, or form in the Arlington Million. I just think he's behind the eight ball. You know, I would love to see him flourish. I would love to see him run well. But the realist in me says he's got a lot of work to do before the third, uh, the third Saturday in August. Seriously, I mean, uh, five weeks, and yeah, I did see the photos, and I have heard the comments. Uh, he's he's got to acclimate to another new place now. Now, um, and I guess Art Sherman won't really be there most of the time. For now, he's just kind of got his uh, Gallup girl and uh, and his groom up there. Yeah, well, I mean, it'll be interesting. There's really not much, you know, with Art, you know, having to take care of business back home, and I think the man's 78 years old. I mean, so. It would be a difficult grind for him, although Alan, I'm sure, will probably come, and I don't know this for a fact, but I'm guessing once the more serious training starts, Alan will probably come up here at least occasionally in the weeks leading up uh, to the million. So it, it'll be interesting. I'm looking very forward to him getting out for his first gallop, you know, getting his first workout in and seeing if he can progress because, obviously, you know, he ran great in the Dubai World Cup. People forget. I mean, he ran yeah. second and did not have a great trip in the Dubai World Cup. That was a legitimate race, and, you know, obviously we haven't seen him since, but you can't take anything away from his resume. I mean, he's an awesome racehorse. He's won on the grass, so we'll see see what his future holds. All right. Well, let's see what the the future holds for some interesting horses. Uh, You said you're going to the track on Saturday. We've got a a great lineup, and I'm sure there'll be uh, pick threes, pick fours being offered. Um, The... uh, American Derby, obviously, being a derby, it's, it's for three-year-olds. Uh, only one of these horses has been over the Arlington Park turf. They're going to be going a mile and an eighth, and um, brings together kind of an interesting group. Uh, it looks like a lot of them could uh, could, could jump up and do this. Uh, very close in odds. 
for, for you. Uh, you've got uh, Crittenden, nonetheless, uh, King of New York, World Appeal, Fire Spike. Very little separates them on the morning line, Joe. Yeah, I mean, I made world approval 2-1. I'm pretty confident that horse will go favored. You know, you be a little bit conservative with 2-1. Michael, a little bit lower than that. The uh, the third that he ran in the American turf at Churchill was very good. Then a respectable race behind Divisadero at Belmont, although Divisadero came back and kind of was a disappointment in the Belmont Derby. You're really trying to figure out what these three-year-olds what their eventual class level is going to be. There's a huge difference between graded stakes for three-year-olds and graded stakes for older horses. Eventually, they sort themselves out. The ones, the cream rises to the top, and you get legitimate graded stakes horses moving forward in their careers. But a lot of these horses, even though they still run well in graded stakes, they're still trying to prove something. So although I think World Appeal might be the most likely winner, he's still trying to prove himself, and he's no cinch. I, I think King of New York, who finally got through his A other than last time, I think is a horse with some upside. Uh, I had the pleasure of watching him at Churchill. The third that he ran two back behind Granny's Kitten, who's a legitimate three-year-old on grass, was very good. And then the A other than that he won last time, that was a very sulky race. And uh, I think he will continue to move forward, and I think the price will be right. But like you said, John, there's several of these with a chance, a legitimate chance to win it. Uh, ab- absolutely. We've even got a first-time turfer in uh, Rajib. Uh, so, you know, again, it's, it's only a field of seven, but very, very evenly matched, and that is the American Derby. Well, uh, you might have some inside information to, to share with our audience, because I wasn't sure when we went on the air as far as where Pizza Man's going to end up. I'm looking now at the Arlington Handicap, grade three, that's going a mile and three sixteenth. But last year he won the Stars and Stripes, uh, which is the eighth race on the card. Do you have any idea where they're going to go with the Pizza Man? Where is he going to deliver it? It's funny that you asked me that, John, because, of course, I wanted to be prepared on your radio show to give your listeners some inside information on that very topic. So I went to my... My best sources, because nothing is out there in the media right now as to where he's gonna, where he's gonna run or what they're leaning towards. And I'm hearing 60-40 towards the Stars and Stripes. I think that they want to run in the million this year. They were disappointed based on the result that they didn't run in the million last year. Hardest Core won the million as a long shot last year. He won the ledger, uh, the Pizza Man did on Million Day last year going you know, the, the the marathon distance, and they regret that move. Although they won the ledger, they regret not running in the million because they think, based on the result, they actually had a chance to win it. Uh, he was very good at Churchill in his most recent race. He can win at a mile. He can win at two miles. He's a, a very, very rare racehorse. He's fun to watch. But the, based on what I'm hearing, I think a defense in the Stars and the Stripes is slightly more likely. And personally, looking at these races and handicapping them, I think they would be making the right move. I think they would have a better chance in that race than they do in a really, really salty Arlington handicap. Well, I noticed that as the odds maker uh, in the Arlington handicap, he's at three to one, which is a compliment. But in the Stars and Stripes, you've got him listed at two to one. So uh, I wonder if his connections will say, "Hey, you know, let's go where uh, <laughs> Joe Christopher thinks we got the easier spot." <laughs> It's funny that you say that, Jack, because it did cross my mind, honestly. 
I don't know. I mean, I think they handicap the race. They look at the competition. If they go back back and watch the replay of the Mammoth, uh, the race, uh, the Grade Three Mammoth in New Jersey, triple threat. I mean, my God, for for a mile and eight race, just a turn of foot was ridiculous. I think this horse has a chance to be something special. He might be a legitimate Arlington Million horse. John, you don't see Arlington handicapped horses uh, that win that race or are competitive compete very well in the million very often. But I think this horse is well, well intended for this race and even well intended for the Arlington Million moving forward. He could be a star. Yeah, and the the horse that Joe's talking about has uh, been turned over to Bill Mott after being trained by Andre Fabre uh, over in France and uh, was a very, very impressive winner at Monmouth. Uh, right behind him, though, only by a nose, was Middleburg, who shows up for this race in Chicago. Certainly can't toss him out being only a nose away from triple threat. I couldn't agree more, and he ran a huge race himself. Um just got run over by triple threat late. But, you know, a lot of times, John, these turf races are decided by trips, and the best horse doesn't always win. Uh, Middleburg is legitimate, and he is better than he's ever been. You know, this was a an allowance horse for quite some time. He just recently stepped up in the greatest six company, and he's been very competitive. And I think even at the age of five, he still has some upside. So this is a really good addition to the Arlington Handicap. You've got a millionaire and up with the birds, you ran a credible race in the Arlington Million last year. And then, of course, you mentioned uh, the Pizza Man potentially in this race as well. A lot of other also-rans in this, in this field, but, you know, the, the top half of the field is very, very, very high quality and uh, probably better than the grade three that this race has gotten. All right. Very well stated, Joe Christopher. We're going to take a quick little break here on Winning Ponies. And when we come back, we're going to break down the modesty handicap for the ladies and then the aforementioned stars and stripes. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. 
All right, and with me, Joe Christofek from Chicago. Joe, uh, before we get on to uh, to looking at the modesty and the, and the stars and stripes, I uh, just kind of want to rewind history a little bit. What was it that uh, attracted you to the racing game? What got you going in it? Uh, well, honestly, John, neither one of my parents, my father has since passed, uh, but neither one of them have any gamble in them whatsoever, but my mom's brothers definitely do. And I had very little exposure to racing outside of watching some of the bigger Triple Crown races on TV all the way through high school. Uh, I really got my first taste of it when I was going to Columbia College in downtown Chicago and working at the Sears Tower part-time. And the first off-track betting facility opened up right across the street from the Sears Tower. I started going in there on my free time and really got infatuated with the racing game and figuring out the puzzle and so on and so forth. And I had one of those moments where I looked up at the TV screen and I saw Tony Kovitz in the paddock at Arlington dressed in a suit with a microphone, and he's talking about the races. And I was a journalism student at Columbia at the time. He's talking about the races on camera. And I'm like, they pay that guy to do that? I'm like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> so after that, I just pursued it. I got my foot in the door working in uh, uh, customer service at Arlington. And, you know, from there, like most of us in racing, John, you got to start somewhere, earn your stripes, and uh, prove yourself, do a good job, show your passion for it, and, you know, work your way up the ladder. So long story short, that's, uh, that's how I got my start. Well, it's an easy sport to show your passion, and, and you do it well. Well, in the modesty handicap for the ladies, uh, nobody's uh, ducking the starting gate here. you got a nice field of 10 going to post. Uh, some interesting angles here. Uh, you do have horses that uh, whose careers started in Europe and have since have shipped over here. Uh, the, the Uruguay Gaga A uh, put in a solid uh, U.S. debut, uh, as did the uh, British-bred uh, Mango Diva, uh, then I guess the question is class, and uh, certainly Overheard and Riposte haven't been ducking anybody for their last eight or ten races. Man, I'll tell you what, this was the hardest race for me to make a morning line, and I kind of just took the easy way out with Riposte, making her three to one, because as you mentioned, John, if you look at her company lines, I mean, she has a serious class edge, but she's not in the greatest form either, but, you know, she hasn't run against a field, you know, of horses with uh, resumes less than hers in quite some time. So we'll see if she can bounce back. Obviously, the connections are very strong, but not the kind of horse that I would bet, especially if she does go off as a favorite. Uh, you mentioned Gaga A. Her race was visually impressive in California. I could get caught on this one if that California money comes in. She could be bet uh, far below. I believe I made her 9-2. to two. She could be very, very live on the board. Walk close. She closed into an absolutely pedestrian pace at Churchill Downs. May have run the best race of all when uh, when she was last seen um, back in May in the Curtana. That was a listed stake, an overnight stake that day, but that was a great six-caliber field, and she just missed after closing into that slow pace. Then you mentioned Overheard coming in, you know, off of some big races. Mango Diva was bet squarely uh, on Preakness Day. Uh, she was bet at 6-1 to one in a field of 11 off the boat, and uh, she ran a little bit better than it looks, too. So this modesty came up pretty strong, too, and I think it's a great betting race. Yeah, I really do think there's going to be value in there. And again, well, with uh, repost, um, my notes here are, is she the same? 
because you go back and look at last year when she was reeling off her, her, her wins in the Sheepshead Bay and the New York, just uh, missed in some other grass races. Um, since then, she's 4-0, and oh, and like you said, if she goes off the favorite, I, I think it's a legitimate bet against, especially in a field that any one of the horses you already mentioned uh, could be a double-digit contender. Yeah, for sure, you know, and it, it, it will be interesting. Uh, it's tough as a morning line maker to really take a stand and say, okay, I think Gaga A is going to be live. I think Walk Close is going to be live. So you kind of go lukewarm with Riposte at 3-1. to one. I went Walk Close 7-2. to two. Uh, Overheard, Gaga A will also get bet. Uh, the rest of them probably will be at least 10, 12, 15 to 1 uh, or higher. But again, top half of the field is very competitive. If you're playing the all-stakes pick four, I think you've got to use a couple of these. Absolutely. Well, let's move on. i got about four minutes left. Uh, we're talking with Joe Christofik. Uh The uh, Stars and Stripes, a grade three. Again, we're not sure if the pizza man's going to run in here. Did win it last year. Put in a solid return in the opening verse down at Churchill. I know Joe got to witness it himself. And really with Laurent Giroux in the saddle, he, he just drew away from that field and hadn't been out since November at Del Mar. Yeah, I think uh, the top three horses in here are all horses I had a chance to to view in person in their recent stakes uh, uh, assignments, the Pizza Man being one of them. We mentioned earlier, John, about his resume. You know, he can win anywhere from a mile to two miles, one of those very, very, very rare horses. If he runs in here, he's squarely the one to beat. Uh, Extra luck is better than ever for Neil Howard and for Greater Glory. Really, really ran well and only a second turf tribe. For Steve Hobby, it looks like he may have found a new niche. Uh, basically, right after that race was run, both Neil Howard and Steve Hobby said they were pointing to the Stars and Stripes, which you like to hear from trainers, and they both ran very well in a legitimate uh, Louisville handicap that day. So I think it'll be one of those three. If the pizza man runs, he's squarely the horse to beat. If he doesn't run, extra luck and for greater glory for me. Uh, the Mare's three hard, she's pretty good, too. But uh, very rarely do I pick a mare in a uh, a mile-and-a-half race against the boys, but I think she's the best of the rest. All right. Well, here's a little bit of an angle. I'm looking for a price, somebody to put underneath perhaps any of the horses you just mentioned. Um, My little notes for my long shot playing here is Dramedy. Now, this is a horse that hasn't been out since the Elkhorn at Keeneland where it won. Uh, Rosemary Holmeister's now got her tack up there in the Windy City. And I did notice, and I don't know this guy, but Gerald Assinger is batting 36% up there. I noticed this horse had a bullet work over the Arlington Park turf, and this guy's record as a trainer he's, uh, with, with off the layoff is 50%. What can you tell me about Gerald Ashinger, and does Dramedy have a, have a shot in here? 12-1 to 1 morning line. I've never met Gerald personally, but he's a very smart man because he is putting his horses where they belong in some of these Arlington races where he can just pick off some wins. His horses have been very competitive. You know, unfortunately, you know, the first level allowance pots at Arlington are only in the low 20,000. So you're not getting the Tom Proctors and you're not getting the Wayne Catalanos and you're not getting the Ken McPeaks and some of the other players that used to run horses at Arlington on a regular basis. Mike Stidham is really the only guy there, you know, with an upper echelon stable who can compete nationally who's running horses on a regular basis. And then, of course, you've got Larry Ravelli that's picking off 
you know, a lot of these claiming races and maiden races and, and lower category races. But Gerald's had a great meet. Uh, Dramedy obviously pointed to this race. You know, I'm always skeptical when I see a win over a good turf course. He may have simply handled it better than some of his competition. He was 30 to 1 that day. Uh, the races prior to that, you know, he's a deeper, off the pace kind of closer. And in this race, somehow he finds himself almost on the lead. He almost couldn't help but win that race because all he had to do was finish the way he was finishing his other races and he was going to win because he was so close to the pace. So we'll see if he can uh, run that same kind of style. If he does, he can be tough and maybe he'll go off a little bit lower than the morning line odds. But uh, to be creative, I think he's got a good shot because this trainer, like you said, John, is certainly firing on all cylinders at the meet and this horse does fit with his, with his best stuff from Keeneland. And a mile and a half is a rare distance. And, and Dramedy has only tried it once, and and it, and it won at that distance. So I'm thinking on any exotic tickets, I'm going to have that horse. Well, uh, Joe Krisovic, thank you so much uh, for spending the time with us uh, today on Winning Ponies. Uh, it was great to see you down at Churchill, and I wish you nothing but the best up there in Chicago. Yeah, John, it's always a pleasure. I mean, you and I have a, have a long history of friendship and, you know, a lot of common friends over the years, obviously, and, we always keep up with each other, and it's always great to see you. It's always great to talk to you, and it's always great to go over races with you on the show. So anytime you need me, just give me a call and uh, drop me the link to the archive to this so I can push it out to, to the masses. Absolutely, I will. Thank you so much. I want to thank Joe Kristovic. I also want to thank Eric Reed from uh, Mercury Equine. Uh, two great guys uh, that have passion for the game. Uh, stay connected with both of them. I thank you for staying connected to Winning Ponies. So, for the show, I'm John Engelhart, overlooking the manicured turf course over the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.